podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello there, my name is Miles Jupp and I'm just interrupting you as you listen to whatever it is that you actually want to listen to to tell you about the second series of Middle Please Umpire. Middle Please Umpire is a podcast that I, Miles Jupp, if you weren't concentrating when I first introduced myself only moments ago, that's not a criticism, your thoughts are your own and you must focus them wheresoever you yourself choose, host with Mark Wood, the 95 mile an hour bowling, England playing World Cup winning Northumberland hailing cricket lunatic Mark Wood. It's another series of episodes of the two of us talking about cricket and indeed any other stuff that springs to mind both with each other and also with a succession of frankly illustrious guests. We lift the lid on Mark's life as an international sportsman, basically he spends a lot of time icing himself, and take you on a whistle-stop journey through the windmills of his mind. I, a mere fan, listen agog, giggle excitedly and try and draw comparisons with my own rather more mundane existence. All episodes of Middle Please Umpire are available right now from your favourite podcast providers. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Whistleblowers podcast. I'm your host, Mark Smith. I'm here as ever with Martin Gritton. Martin Gritton, I can see you on the call this time. You've got lovely long hair. Thanks, Mark. It's nice nice to see your faces as well. I, I, I can't believe we've decided to switch on to this. As on a year in. The, yeah, literally, as, as lockdown eases. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Weird, isn't it? It's like it's yeah. like chatting to someone on on like text before you meet them for a date, and you go, "Oh, you don't know. That's not how I pictured you." It's been so long, Martin. Uh, anyway, uh, another person on the podcast is someone who you hear every single week. He's goddamn good at this stuff. He's a Spurs supporter. He's a man of the music industry. It's Gareth Dobson. Gareth, you all right? I'm fantastic. Uh, the football's in the rearview mirror, so I feel a lot better. <laughs> Yeah, well, we'll get onto that uh, in in a fair bit of detail. I would imagine uh, your beloved Spurs doing what Spurs do best. Um, I mean, I'm getting bored of talking about it, but yeah, we will do. Uh, let's start though with West Ham against Leicester. This was probably the most important game of the weekend. I feel, and certainly in hindsight, having seen the result, um, it feels like a, a pretty important totem of the season so far. Martin, you're involved with West Ham. Did you watch this game? And uh, how impressed are you, not only with this result for West Ham, but with them over the last six weeks? Yeah, I was listening to it on the radio. I listened to loads of games on the radio at the minute. So I quite school. enjoyed it. Yeah, I really enjoyed the, the coverage. Uh, yeah, incredible. Another team just perhaps getting caught in the hop. West Ham just coming straight out the gates. and uh, But being able to just chop and change, you know, with Bowen coming in and, and leading the line, that's a really difficult yeah. job for a player like him. So that was brilliant. Um, obviously, with Leicester going into the game, it's a great time to play them for West Ham, just with the, you know Madison and those other players that infringing on those kind of uh, the COVID rules. Brendan having to put his foot down. Can, can we talk about a, that? Great. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Because this is the business end of the season now, right? This is it. Leicester dropped out uh, probably just before this time last season and lost out on Champions League spots. This time yeah. around, Brendan Rodgers had a, a meeting specifically to tell them. Lads, be really careful for the next few yeah. weeks. And they go and do that. Now, first of all, Martin, as an, as an ex-player and something of a wild boy, uh, is this the sort of thing you might have done yourself? But secondly, as a more mature man now, what can you say to these players to make them stop doing this sort of thing? I was never a wild... Listen, I was never good enough to be to have that freedom. I had to toe the party line. I was always... I was, I was very well-behaved. You know, when we let our hair down, you know, I let it flow. But for the nine to five, I was, you know, I was a good professional. Um, Yeah, 
it was it's, it's awful from them and also it just kind of ties them with that yeah, people go on their social media and they'll look at it and they'll just say, you know, it's what when Lingard, when he was under fire at United and it was easy to take pop shots, wasn't it? Because he was just a young guy, looked like he was having fun. But um, under these circumstances, it's kind of unforgivable. And Rogers has had to stick to his guns, which, I, as I said, I think that must have been really galling for him because West Ham it was probably as good a time to play them as, as ever, you know, without Declan Rice, without... Um, uh, yeah, so, you know, that's that's how it goes. Yeah, um, Gareth, you, you're quite heavily involved in 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 looking at this top four race as a Spurs fan. Looking at it from quite afar now, but you've you've been concentrating quite a lot and focusing on it all season. This result for West Ham is uh, it's huge, isn't it? Given their running, I think this is a huge result. Yeah, it, it felt like if they really did have ambitions of of hitting that top four, then they were going to have to win at least one of these games and to yeah. beat. Your immediate rival is, is you know, it's it, it's the, you know, Champions League version of the six-pointer because what you actually do is you drag Leicester back down into, you know, this sort of really tight-knit group now of four teams with four points between them, you know, Chelsea and Liverpool being the other two. And you, you're almost kind of increasing yours by saying, well, Leicester could be the one who drop out now. We're going to put the, you know, put the willies up them. Um, and and uh, it's... It, you know, it's huge. And obviously the confidence it will give them to say, we can now go toe to toe with a Champions League rival and we yeah. can, we can go three nil up. And, you know, if they can tighten up at the back, I mean, you know, imagine being a West Ham fan being going, I love going three nil up every week, but my God, we really need to stop conceding late. I mean, yeah, yeah. even six months ago, having that conversation is unthinkable. So they, yeah, you assume that, and again, as 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 Gritz mentioned, the fact that you do it missing Ogbana, missing Rice, missing Antonio uh, is amazing. You know, players who came in like Mark Noble, who you probably thought that's going to be a weak link. He's you know a couple of years maybe past his uh, yeah. his capabilities at this level. He, he you know he did he did very well. Everyone did brilliantly. You know, um, I thought Bowen really stood out. Um, it's you know they seem equipped. That's probably the most stunning thing. It doesn't look like a mirage. Yeah, you're right. I mean, when they got rid of Haller in January, and they just had Antonio up front, who you know it was as much as we love him, and we love him on this show. We talk about him all the time. But he is, you know, he's prone to the odd injury. He's prone to missing the odd four to six games at any stretch. And you thought, well, what have they done there? But actually, you're right. They, they've they've got Bowen who can play basically any of those four positions. You know, as a striker or any one of the three behind. Lingard, I think you probably trust as a, as a false nine, if you want to use that term. But they have got players that can plug in and do the job. And I just feel like this is peak Moyes. This feels like Everton Moyes, you know, with uh, Fellaini and PNR and those guys. It feels like something's happening. And I look at their running. Let me read the running to you, Gareth. Let me read the running to you, Grits. Newcastle yeah. away next. Then Chelsea at home. Chelsea at home, obviously a huge one. Big rivals. Uh, <laughs> you know, competitors for that top four place. But after that, Burnley, Everton at home, Brighton away, West Brom, Southampton at home. They are in pole position here, aren't they, Grits? This is this is theirs to lose now. Yeah, that's... Uh, but if you ask any West Ham fan, they'll probably more dread that than, you know, it was Absolutely. the same at the beginning, beginning of the season where they were thinking where the point's going to come from and then, you know, they defied the odds that way. So hopefully it's not a defying the odds in the opposite direction. But you're absolutely right. It's it, you, you couldn't have a, a nicer, more enviable run-in if, yeah. if you're going for one of those top four spaces. 
Yeah, it looks really good. Um, I think you might be right, Grips, actually. I think maybe they do step up their game against the better sides. But I'm looking at the likes of Lingard, who, you know, everyone's talked about him at length over the last six or seven games. But he has still got something to prove. Even if West Ham are safe in the Champions League by 10 points, he wants to be in that Euro squad, right? So he's going to be pushing and pushing as much as he can. If you've got someone like that doing that, you've always got a chance against these teams. Uh, Leicester, on the other hand... (laughs) Grits, is this happening again? Are they are they dropping out again? Yeah, this is it. It, it feels like it. And, our, and the psychology of that when you're in those teams and playing like that, particularly those off-field things that we just, infractions that we talked about, it's just, yeah. it just adds, it certainly adds fuel to the fire of, of just... I'd be things, furious. The, the wheels coming on. Yeah, the wheels coming off because you just start looking around and then I remember what it's like in those situations, like training, which everything becomes a lot more heightened, you know, whether it's people not taking things seriously, someone turning up slightly late. It's like once you get the reputation for those sort of things, it just starts to wind up the group. And you can't you can imagine Rogers because he's not just been Leicester, is it? It was Liverpool where it kind of he he's 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 got form for not being able to get it across the line. Yeah, Gareth, um are they the ones to drop out Leicester? I mean I'm looking at it now and West Ham, I think, are going to get it. I, I've, I've got a feeling they're going to do it. I think they're too strong. I think the, the momentum's too good. Chelsea look like ones that could take Leicester's place. I still think Liverpool might be uh, might be a big shout as well. But if Leicester do drop out of this, Gareth, I don't know if you think they will or not. You can answer me that as well. But if they do drop out, have they got to do something else? Has, has something got to change at that club if they want to make that leap into a permanent top four side? Or are they just, you know... Are they just grateful where they are and the fact that they're competing at all? Which, in my opinion, they should they should be in that category. I so I do think that it's probably the the easy the easy answer, but I can't see both West Ham and Leicester making the top four when you have two teams who yeah. are who are so experienced and you know are so comfortable kind of in these positions in Chelsea and and Liverpool. And I think that with Leicester, it's funny how expectations expectations change across the season. So last year, their stated aim was to, you know, to make the top six. And because they dropped out of the Champions League spots uh, essentially on the last day, it was seen as a, as a negative season uh, when, you know, ultimately, you know, it was fairly early into, you know, rebuilding, you know, the team from losing key players after the title run. So, and I think, like you said, that that kind of TARS is maybe a slightly hard word, but it definitely puts a different angle on things. And so I think you're right to do it two years in a row to look like you're pretty set and pretty comfortable. Only a few weeks ago, there was a pretty good margin between them and, you know, that, that batch of teams below them. And so if they drop out two years in a row, it will definitely be an issue. I mean, as a Spurs fan, I'll be honest, the idea of people talking about doing a Leicester instead of doing a Spurs would be, would be manna from heaven. Um, I'd love to put that on a, on a different team, but I, I, I do wonder about about Rogers. I, I think he has tactically he he can put a really good team together. I, I think he you know sets them out well. So I wonder if it's something about his style of management that wears on players over the course of a season. I wonder if there comes a point where players seem to switch off because, like you said, he's done it over a few teams. There's always been that point three quarters way through a season where the, the returns seem to diminish and. Maybe a question for Grits is, you know, uh, have you had, don't actually have to name names, but I'd love it if you did, but name names, but have you had managers where ultimately it's maybe quite intense or at some point you just go, I'm not, I'm not listening to this guy and things kind of fall off. Yeah. With the, 
it is that kind of boy cry wolf stuff or even just the if you if you, all you're hearing is negativity or just someone shouting at you all the time it just loses its effect doesn't it and and also you can start to smell the fear or the panic in the air from managers that you you're like going mm, you know because because what, what always happens is that it will come up with we well, see what Jose all the time with like his recent feud with Ole and with the way managers will say something in the press that just kind of gives up what they actually feel. And a lot of managers being able to protect the players, that's always a sign of class when the manager, you know, takes takes it on the chin uh, publicly, but then privately he might, he might yeah, pull you yeah. aside and have a word. But it's when it, the wheels start to fall off publicly that then you start to go, uh, right. And then you'll do something weird, like, you know, play someone so far out of position thinking it's some genius masterstroke and it'll get kind of, found out so uh, that happens regularly and I would imagine yeah I, even more so in the Premier League you know just with the money at stake yeah, yeah and, and the pressurised environment of it um, okay I feel like we've done West Ham a um, a decent service there right they're a good side we all like them and I think they're going to finish top f- I'm going top four Gareth yes or no West Ham top four no Grits well, I'm going to go yes because I have to prepare for potentially I'm going to work an extra 30, 30 nights worth of matches or something like that. Yeah, but you get to hear that anthem. Games, but... You get to hear the anthem. It's <laughs> all that matters. Right, let's move on. Let's move on to Gareth's team. Uh, Gareth, uh, your Spurs team did the customary Spurs thing of going a goal up and then throwing it away. There's a lot to talk about in this game. I think it's probably the game with the most sort of uh, what's the word? The most uh, what's the word? Come on, help me out here. What? what? I'll I'll just go with confirmation bias. <laughs> no, this this has had the most sort of uh, needle. I can't, I can't think of any words anymore. It, well, there there, there was the some words. good needle. There was some good Schadenfreude. There was some good yeah, comeuppance. There, there was all of that. I mean, you know what we'll go with? This, this this is the game of the weekend. It's the most shock waves. That'll do. Shock waves. Tremors. Because listen. Yes, the game happened. We're going to talk about that. We had the McTominay and Son incident. And we also had the uh, Jose ridiculous, pathetic deflection um, <laughs> that he's using after the Ollie comments. Let's start, though, with the game. Gareth, obviously you saw it. Was it just as as expected? Are you, are you, are you over it now? Are you done? Are you, where are you? Uh, it, it was almost a cliche. You know, the team who yeah. starts terribly and is so strong in the second half started terribly and we're strong in the second half, and they beat the team who starts well and inevitably falls away. So, you know, if you had anything about you, you should probably have put a bet on Spurs winning the first half and losing the second. And you the podcast, Reese James did that. I mean, perfect. Oh, no. You made a few quid, very, you know, very smart. And it was almost, uh, you could see it coming from a mile off, you know, the way that Manchester United started the second half, especially. And the moment they, you know, they equalise, I, I don't think anybody expected anything beyond you know, United to push on. What was probably, you know, the most interesting kind of thing to to see was how well Paul Pogba played. I thought, you know, he's the one who really took the game by the scruff of the neck in the second half and and made it happen. He had a couple of absolutely sublime moments, and you know, I think Bruno Fernandes is obviously, I think he's been quite worn down with the last twelve months of football. And you know they are looking for someone to, to you know to step up and to really control the game. And you know Pogba's had you know had a short bit uh, time out with injury, and possibly yeah. those that month out has uh, you know has left him refreshed and he's come back nice and fresh. I think looks very come sharp. back nice and fresh. And obviously you know he's going to want to hit peak form going to the summer. That the national team is obviously a huge thing. 
you know, to, to repeat the feat of being the world champions and the European champions, which obviously France did at the turn of the millennium, is probably a big driving factor. And yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if he's going to be a really key contributor for United for the rest of the season. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I agree with you on Fernandez, but he's still worth having on the pitch because his sort of centre of gravity, you know, he, people just get drawn into him. People just get pulled into that. The fact that it's Bruno Fernandez and opponents, suddenly you've got someone else with, with, with five yards of space next to him because they've focused so much on Bruno. So even a half fit Fernandez is worth having on the pitch. Um, Grits, I think this is going to be quite straightforward. Uh, should they have disallowed the first goal for the McTominay foul? Uh, no. Well, I, again, I listened to that on the radio, and even that was an emphatic no. I mean, there was yeah. um, Clinton Morris. I can't find anyone just, that thinks it was. It's ridiculous, isn't apart it? From, I mean, apart from friend of the well, podcast, Reese James. Yeah. <laughs> Funnily enough. Um, I find the thing is, it almost feels like the, when the referees are going to the pitch side one, there's an iner- of inevitability about it. It's like, yeah. but I feel sorry that it's put, completely put on them. I'd love to hear, you know, like, it gets talked through in other sports, like in cricket and various other things. There's like a bit more of a communication, that back and forth about it. Or yeah, we, we know where um, they stand, right? Yeah, and I just kind of feel for him because he's there. I wonder what I just would love to know what what's running through his head when he's. I'll tell you what's running through his head. I'll tell you what's running through his head. He's looking at it in slow motion, super slow motion, and he's going the hand yeah. to the face free yeah. kick. And and we know that it's not a foul. We know that. It happens. Happens a hundred times a game. This is whether you're tall mm. enough to, to go over the arm or whatever it is. Happens all the time. And in fact, United's third goal for Greenwood's goal, Pogba essentially stiff arms Eric Dyer, sort of in the throat, top of the it's mm. not a foul. It's not a foul. No one no one even talks about it being a foul because of course it's not. However, if Eric Dyer goes down, dunno, what does that look like in, in super slow motion? Probably looks like a foul. So it's all it's all over the place. I don't know what's going on. And actually, I think we should stop talking about it because everyone talks yeah. about it. And let's, let's talk about something else instead because yeah. comments from Ole Gunnar Solskjaer afterwards, he was disappointed with the decision, disappointed with uh, uh, Son. And he said something along the lines of, you know, if my, if my son had done that, <laughs> he wouldn't be getting any food. And I think it was like a stupid little comment. It didn't mean anything. Gareth, Jose Mourinho pretended to take that comment seriously. <laughs> and uh, said that no child should be without food. There's bad parenting, <laughs> which is the sort of thing loose women would run with. As a what a pivot! I mean, how is this the worst example of Jose deflection that you've ever experienced? <laughs> See, I think he might have actually got caught up in the moment, so het up he was, and I think he almost took that comment as a literal thing. Yeah, and, uh, right, and, and ran away with it. I, I'm not sure he was being incredibly arch and clever at that point i, I think he's, oh you don't okay fine. no i i think it was that we always want to believe there's some brilliant subtext with with Mourinho's comments and this time around i think he sort of floundered a bit and just uh decided he was i don't think there's any love for uh Solskjaer from Mourinho, and i think essentially no. he saw a chance to attack him and, and just went for it but um it does act as a deflection because you know we haven't mentioned how insipid Spurs were at this point. Gareth, we don't need to. We do it every week. <laughs> we really don't have to. It, it's You're right. And, and it's kind of the most interesting thing. And also because we love the last days of Rome in, in any sort of footballing story. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. this this really feels feels like that's where we're at. You know, I, I think the moment that you expect Man City to win the, the League Cup in a couple of weeks, that will be the point where everyone's going to start, you know, discussing Mourinho's departure oh, from... Nicole. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. And we'll talk about this very briefly before we go to a break. But Jose seems to have this thing in his head, which means 
get a trophy, any trophy, it doesn't matter what the cost is. Now, there's no Spurs fans out there who would happily have a manager come in and poison the dressing room, make it the most toxic environment you can imagine in British football, make your star players, uh, Son and Kane, think about leaving. Kane, thinking about leaving Spurs. All these things make it awful football. No one's thinking that except that for a chance of winning the Carabao Cup. Madness. No one would take that. No one would take that trade. Would they? Uh, in the short term, I, they probably would. But I think the point is, is would you trade that trophy for Mourinho being in charge next year and knowing chances are what he would do to the club in 12 months? Why, um, well, hang on, no, no, no. Why would you... You can't take the Carabao Cup as in that scenario. I just don't think... I don't think it's worth it. We know there's no evidence of winning a trophy that leads to more trophies. Otherwise, they'd have won more trophies after they won the last one. But, but we know we know that, you know, if you take that sort of... That macro view, of course it's not. However, football is still about winning trophies. It is still a season you remember. You know, Spurs fans still think very fondly when they last won the League Cup against Chelsea you know, 12 years ago or however long it was. You know, it's, yeah. you know, if you're Manchester United, if you're Liverpool, if you win trophies on a more regular basis, perhaps you're like, well, we can go a year without one. If you're Spurs and you've won two in the last 20 odd years, it means a lot. Yeah, um, you look back fondly at, at 2021 when Spurs won the Carabao Cup and all the players committed suicide on a full-time <laughs> No, right, I, I agree. <laughs> I do agree, but I don't think you'd get a completely unequivocal agreement from all Spurs no, fans. of course not. I'm being facetious, lads. Right, um, time for a break, after which we'll talk about the other end of the table. If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct, something that's less Mr Bean... I'm more Steve McQueen. Check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at Cooler dot bike or find them on instagram with hashtag cooler king bike cooler dot bike e-bikes that are cool af welcome back to the whistleblowers uh gareth has uh, talked us through spurs and jose at the moment and uh feeling quite low now gareth so perk me up <laughs> tell me about the relegation battle as it stands big weekend in terms of that Let's start with uh, let's start with Fulham Wolves. Did you see that game? And uh, what are your thoughts on Fulham now going forward? It's uh, rather like the game itself with VAR. Fulham are gone, um, <laughs> which is you know I, I feel bad for it, but I, I think you can't keep doing this. And they've done it too many times where they've hung in, they've hung in, and then they've ultimately capitulated. And you know it it was quite sad at the end. There was you know some players were in tears, and obviously. They, you know, they have given everything. You know, it's been a very, very honest fight, but you know, it felt like such a crushing blow to have that two games in a row now to be either leading or, or level, and then you know, in the last ten minutes, just to see your your, your game go up in flames. And yeah, you know, this one was particularly galling. You know, you're at home, um, you're a couple of minutes away from it. a draw. Probably wouldn't have been enough, but ultimately, you know, a defeat was 
was was cat- catastrophic. I mean, I'm not sure they deserved anything beyond the uh, a draw. You know, they were quite toothless up front, in particular. But you know, they were playing a team who who had had been out of sorts all season, and yeah. you know, you have to beat teams like Wolves if you're going to have any chance. So, yeah, I, I, I'm afraid I I think it's gone. And obviously, coupled with the result with Newcastle, I, I'm not sure Fulham. Even yeah, if Newcastle we'll didn't pick up any more points the rest of the season, I'm not Still sure Fulham can find another five or six points. You know, yes. uh, the one one tasty thing, I'm just looking there running, the last game of the season being Newcastle at home for yeah. Fulham, which is so good. Yeah, I mean, yeah. if, the biggest... if they get a couple of wins together, but yeah, you're right. I mean, Newcastle feel like they're, they're, they're getting the momentum back. I mean, the, 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 the biggest shame, sorry, the biggest shame of that is you wanted that game to be meaningful. You wanted to go into the last day of the season and watch essentially a, a winner stays up match. And, you know, I, obviously purely as a neutral, I'm sure neither club will want that for their fans. But, you know, it's, it's a shame we don't get that, I don't think. Yeah, it felt like Fulham had some momentum. They, they had a really good sort of uh, February and pretty good March. I mean, let's, let's just go through it. Drew West Ham in uh, February beat Everton away, drew with Burnley, beat Sheffield United, drew with Palace, um, they, beat, uh, they beat Liverpool away, and that's the last time they won Liverpool away. And since then, it just seems that the, 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 the wind has gone out of their sails completely. And now it, football is... The hardest thing to get in football is momentum. And once you have it, you you just got to do everything you can to not lose it. And I feel like they've sort of relinquished it quite easily. And now it seems impossible for them to not win games, but score goals even. And I just can't see it happening now. Um, Grits, have Fulham got any chance whatsoever of, of getting out of this, given that they do seem to have this soft underbelly? And when that defence, which has been pretty good, to be honest, but once they do get breached once, you just think that's it. Yeah, the, I mean, if you look at it mathematically, that's the only way that you can look at this and say that it's possible because there's still enough games to get the points. Yeah. But each game on their own merit, you take it from the form that they're in and just the fact that they don't look like scoring, which is quite odd considering that is their full, pretty much full strength yeah. attacking players. Are out the it's not like they're missing players, but you can see why Newcastle and other teams that have kind of had a bit of a resurgence or even when you look at Leicester and say, well, they're not firing because they're missing some players. It's exactly why you know Fulham have got their best players out even though, you know, playing against a frustrating Wolves team may, may be the only thing that you could take away from that. But they're going to, yeah, they're going to have to do something that we don't think that they can do at this stage. Yeah. The, the there is still a chance. You know, pe- teams have got out of worse situations. Than yeah, this. exactly. However, yeah. Uh, and we'll talk about Burnley and Newcastle now, um, because Newcastle, all of a sudden, <laughs> in... 29 minutes of football look like world beaters again. We've talked about Callum Wilson. We've talked about Alan Sam Maximum. We know how good they are. And now they're back, Gareth. Back, presumably healthy. Do you think that's enough to, to put them over the line? Yeah, I think so. Um, again, I, I think they're probably over the line as, as we speak. But it's it's really interesting. You know, they lost you know all those core attacking players for a few games. And that's when it looks like, you know, the team just absolutely fell apart and so I was talking to a proper football journalist uh, last week um, sorry what do you mean by proper what are we uh, yeah uh, a proper Ooh. proper one <laughs> um, and I, yeah, I asked him about the, the the Newcastle leaks and I was like you know when those reports came out that Bruce had lost the dressing room and it was all chaos I'm like does that come out because players want it to be known and he and he he replied, yes, it's either that or things are so bad. There's no way of keeping that information in house. Um, 
And so when you hear that, you're like, okay, well, Newcastle are doomed. There's no coming back. And then, you know, the two games subsequently after the international break, obviously they, they draw Spurs. They should have won that. And they they have a, a turnaround against a team that it's pretty hard to turn around. You know, Burnley aren't a never soft touch as usually. Um, and so it's kind of intriguing. Yeah, we're talking about Brendan Rodgers and, you know, when people sort of tune out of listening to a manager, somehow Bruce has gone from a club in absolute freefall and chaos to pulling out, you know, four extremely valuable points. So he he's never going to get the credit he deserves. And I do think that's probably because, you know, he isn't a, a sexy uh, manager. He's not, a, you know, Steve Bruce Dino to, to paraphrase. But it has <laughs> been, it has been at times excruciating to watch. And I do understand Newcastle fans getting, uh, you know, getting frustrated with it. I totally get that. I do as well, um, but I do think there's. You also have to be realistic, and you know, the, uh, perhaps the mitigation of not having, uh, you know, Sir Maximan and Almiron and, and Wilson in this key period really mm. does show how important for the club they are. Yeah, sure. Um, let's talk about uh, Chris Wood, Martin Gritton, because he was great again against Newcastle. I want to talk about him because he's one of my favourite strikers in the league. I think he's excellent at so many things. I remember the last season when uh or sorry in, in the off season when uh Spurs were looking for a player to be a foil to Harry Kane, someone who can come in. He went with Vinicius in the end. But I thought Chris Wood would have been perfect for that. Now, Gritz, you you were a you were a striker. You weren't really a target you're a big lad, but you weren't really that sort of target man though, were you, right? You were more of a technical player. I, well yeah, I became a target man basically when I was slow and there was no not not no other word to describe me. Um but yeah I I yeah, would would a perfect example of it. I think in terms of leading the line, being strong, um, I, you know, he's he's so good he's at a, all those things. He's so good at all those things, and it's very hard uh, to do it in a team like Burnley because Burnley aren't always you know blessed with creative players to get on the end yeah. of his case conversion rate is tremendous, um, and his calmness when he's you know tasked with taking pens, he just looks such a dependable striker. Yeah, and his numbers are, yeah, like you say, they don't create that many, but his numbers are pretty good. But you're right, look, Chris Wood, he's he's great in the air, he's great at occupying defenders, he's strong, he can run the channels if you need him to, his link-up play is very good, he's technically pretty solid as well. But you know what I'm really impressed by? Go on. Whenever he's playing with anyone, he makes a good partnership. When, when he plays with Jay Rodriguez, you go, ah, oh, it's a good partnership. When he plays with Ashley Barnes, good partnership. Now he plays with Vigil, like he has done for the last sort of six or seven games, you go, good partnership. Now that is a sign of extremely high football IQ, right? That's someone who can appreciate who he's playing with, understand their strengths and weaknesses, while also making sure he can do the right thing himself, right? That is, yeah. that, you don't see that very often, do you? No, no. Uh, and, and to be honest, Brian, they've got to do really hard to keep hold of him. I'll be interested yeah. to see who they invest in to, to bring around him because players like him will probably get sick and tired of being where they are in, in, in the league. Yeah, I imagine so. Uh, right, let's move on from my Chris uh, Wood loving because Gareth is absolutely over the moon. He, he's, he can't wait, can he? He wants to talk about Leeds United for the last four minutes of the show. Right, Ridiculous. go on, Gareth. Huge, huge result away at Man City this weekend. Obviously, we've got to talk about it. I wasn't going to not talk about it, Gareth, but you've been uh, on to me so much. You can lead this one. Well, I, I've just noticed. I don't think we've talked about Leeds for a good few a good few weeks, and you know. Uh, I think they've now won three in a row, is it? So it's not just the fact that, you know, a 10-man uh, Leeds went and beat... 10-man for the whole second half went and yeah. beat Man City, who, you know, put out a good team. It was I know they've 
it's the game in between their big Champions League tie, which they're obsessed and consumed by. But yes. what an incredible performance. And, you know, the way usually when, you know, you're down 10 men, the opposition team equalise, it usually goes one way. Um, yeah. And the fact that Leeds went and pushed to the very end and scored that goal at the death was, you know, it, absolute scenes it was brilliant oh, they were unbelievable yeah and, and and it also flies in the face of the whole um leagues only play one way narrative right they they show that they can soak up pressure and they can hit on the break and they can play controlled mature football right they weren't just overloading in the middle and going at man city they lost seven nil they played a good just a, a good smart game of football uh grits what did you make of it and what yeah, do you also I mean, make of their running because they've got liverpool and man united next so it could yeah. be a bit of a damp squib uh, definitely, but I, like, and it was the most peppy lineup ever, wasn't it? From it was so bizarre, and you're like, it, but that's what probably gave them a lot of confidence. They probably saw that, and there was there was no fear in the way that they played. But yeah, incredible scenes to to pull it back and uh, score it when I I'd be interested to see how they do see it out. But to be honest, survival for them was everything, so they'll they'll be delighted with their season. Uh, right, Gareth, is that as much as you want to talk about Leeds or any more you yeah, want to add to your little the boyfriends? Only, the only thing I'll add is how uh, when when Bielsa was asked if he'd practice, you know, defending or playing with 10 men, he, he looked absolutely aghast. It was like, we've never tried anything <laughs> like that before. So, um, and then I think he made a joke about, oh, we're going to practice it all the time now, leading to, um, was it Calvin Phillips on social media? It was like, Oh God! You know, ten man murderable sessions for the next two weeks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Spirits yeah, yeah. clearly very high uh, in Yorkshire. Uh, was it a red card? Quickly, Gareth. Uh, yeah, I, I actually I thought so. I, I'm not okay. quite sure why people are so great arms. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah, probably. Right, that's all we've got time for on this week's whistleblowers. We'll be back same time, same place next week. Uh, Gareth, anything you want to plug before we uh, before we say bye? Uh, nothing too much. Going. Get your Griff Reese record, which is out on May 21st. Lovely stuff. And you can see Lovely. me, lads, wow. see me on Sky yeah. Sports on Saturday morning. Oh, really? Nice. Good boy. I'm on with Beautiful. the kids. Soccer Social. Yeah. All right. Me and Chunks. Me and Chunks checking through the games. Oh, yeah, Chunks. Be, I love wow. Chunks. All right. Love chunks. chunks. Love chunks. Yeah, love chunks. Brought to you by the whistleblowers. Okay, (laughs) right. Cheers for listening, guys. Cheers, Gareth. Cheers, Grit. See you later. Bye. This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.